time to ham up. Oh, I gotta really try it hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Welcome, one and all, to another episode of After the Credits, special game edition, collector's edition, if you would. Uh, I am here with Aaron. Hello. And, of course, I'm Chris, your two resident gamers. And, boy, is it hot in this room, I'm now realizing. Yeah, it's a little little toasty in here. (laughs) Oh, well, we suffer for our craft. Um, So, yeah, today we are here to review Devil May Cry 5. Uh, which came out, what, like three months ago? Yeah, I think, months it was, ago? I think it was about three months ago. Uh, and But before we get into that, let's just do a quick quick little catch-up about like what we've been playing. Since this is game-focused, yeah. we're not going to go into shows and all that stuff. Let's just, what have you been playing? Um, as far as what I've been playing, I've been mainly focusing on Final Fantasy XIV. I know I'm super late to the game, but it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy... The aspects of it that are Final Fantasy and the aspects of it that are an MMO. Um, so I'll probably keep grinding on that and uh, try and get up to level 70 and see what that's like before I actually decide to pay to play it. But at this point, I'll probably end up paying to play it. I don't think you can get to 70 before you pay to play. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to try and beat it. I'm going to try and get there in my 30-day trial. I think but the 30-day trials... It doesn't stop? Well, I think before you can play, I think it stops at the end of the first version the oh, realm reborn i that think is where sense. it ends well then i will probably end up paying <laughs> to play this game because i do thoroughly enjoy it gosh darn it final fantasy you got me again Always. um beyond that i've been playing uh the playstation um store or for psn plus members they gave out borderlands mm-hmm. this last month so i've been playing that here and there um that's just kind of fun i had already played it previously on the pc and everything like that but just having it for free and going back and just doing the stuff, especially with Borderlands 3 coming out. I've just been going back and doing that Is this a bit. The, the Handsome Jack collection, or is this the 1 and 2? Or is that the Handsome Jack collection? The, one, it's, the Handsome Jack collection is like 1 and 2 plus some other stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why I'm just... That's why I'm like, okay, I'll go back and like just see what this other stuff mm. is, because I never played any of that. I just played the basic 1 and 2 originally. But um, that's pretty much it for me. How about you, Chris? What have you been playing? Uh, uh, like you, if you couldn't tell from my reaction, <laughs> yeah. a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, I recently got into that. Um, I'm enjoying that overall. It came very highly recommended from people. It just held mm-hmm. out forever because of the fact that you have to pay monthly subscription yeah. fees, which it feels awkward in today's day and age. But yeah. it is pretty good, so I don't feel so bad about it mm-hmm. i'll just stop going to the gym it'll take my gym <laughs> membership fees no nah, i won't do that uh, <laughs> um, uh i also picked up cadence of hey rule from on the switch store oh. which is very it's from the creator of crypt of the necromancers so it's a rhythm game right. with as you can tell hey rule zelda elements to it mm-hmm. i've been playing that a little off and on when i get a chance it's pretty pretty fun pretty enjoyable um i've never played crypto the necromancer it's actually kind of hard sometimes oh yeah yeah uh, i've actually never played either of those games but i've heard sean talk about them on uh, the other or actually mm-hmm. on the podcast um and i've been interested but yet to have switch so i will wait until that happens yeah uh and then 
I recently picked up Judgment, which is a Sony exclusive game, I believe, which is from and part of the Yakuza series. Oh. Um, where you play as a ex-defense attorney and something happens with one of the people you're defending and apparently you choose to hang up your your lawyer badge and focus on detective work but it plays very much like a yakuza if you ever played a yakuza game it's just bonkers insanity running around streets of tokyo I'm a defense attorney that can kick everyone's butt. Um, <laughs> just funny, kind of over the top humor, which I'm, I'm I'm enjoying a lot. My only critique so far of that game is I'm not doing enough lawyering, which was <laughs> the one thing I wanted. I was like, this will be Phoenix, another, I like yeah. an element of Phoenix Wright injected with an action game. I was yeah. like, yes. I want to be a defense attorney, you know, uh-huh. doing bonkers court stuff, yelling objection at people and everything. But there's really not been any of that so far. Uh, so that's too bad. Yeah. But I'll keep going. I'll keep going. See where it takes me. Uh, I was I was booting that up because it's it's a Japanese game. Yeah. Um with Kane in the room and it has like an opening movie credit mm-hmm. thing where it's like main character voiced by this guy and this character voiced by this guy and Kay was watching it but i think she missed the main character's name but she saw his face and mm-hmm. she was like oh this this guy looks familiar and i she was like do when they make games do they really base them off people and i was like yeah they do that from time to time yeah and then she was like, this really looks like this old boy band guy, whatever, right? <laughs> or pop star. And I was, she's, she went and got her phone and looked it up. And, and while she was doing that, I was just looking up who the voice actor was uh-uh. for it. Uh, because I remember it being the big selling point. And when she found the person, she's like, oh, yeah, it looks just like this guy. And I was like, oh, what's his name? And she said the name. And I was like, oh, yeah, because it is that guy. <laughs> so they just modeled it after him because they had him as the voice actor. That's pretty cool, actually. I didn't realize it. I mean, I know they did have other games. I didn't realize they did it for that one. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. All Having right. a blast. Um, so, I guess now that we're caught up on what we're playing... Mm-hmm. Let's get into Devil May Cry 5. Yep. Um, I don't know if we should summarize it here, so we'll hold off on yeah. that. But uh, just a quick backstory about Devil May Cry for those that aren't a part of it. It's this action... It, what do you say, adventure? Or is it just straight action? I'll just say it's straight action. It's action, like hack action. and slash yeah. uh, game that started back on the PS2 from yep. Capcom. Uh it originally started as a Resident Evil. It was supposed to be a new entry in the Resident Evil series, but it felt so different, mm-hmm. and they're going a different route that they eventually let it become its own thing. And boy, was it a thing! I like yeah. that first that first Devil May Cry sucked me right in. Yeah, I I I think I played the first Devil May Cry when I got it like five times through easily. Because that game was a lot of fun, and you know, the better, the more you play the game, the better you get at it, the yeah. better you get at combos and that kind of stuff. So it's like it's rewarding to go back and play it multiple times. I just always remembered uh, the scene. Well, there are a lot of scenes in the first yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are. Fill, fill my what was it? Fill my dark soul with light or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that corny line. 
the games are very corny but that in a good way 100 true <laughs> but i always remember the yeah. first scene it was in one of the first missions uh when you get the the alistar sword and it just comes flying out of the statue and just jams through your heart like into yep. the ground right yeah and i was always and then like dante just slowly like lifts himself up through the sword just like tearing his body apart as he's doing it but then he i was always like man that's like the coolest freaking thing i know <laughs> i don't know why it's always stuck with me it was like one of those first like yeah. really cool moments in games that were, were because it was ps2 like yeah. graphics were only getting better and yeah. it was just like what oh man that's so cool yeah that definitely was a, a moment and i still think about that and i'm mm-hmm. getting all nostalgic for that game right now that we're talking about it, but it's <laughs> yeah. like, it just came out on the switch i did <laughs> i saw that uh another reason to get it uh but then devil may cry 2 not so good yeah. overall uh but kind of finished kind of on the flip side yes i did finish it oh, okay. uh, on the flip side devil may cry 2 was originally an original ip that was being developed on the side that uh, Cap- i think capcom eventually didn't trust to be able to sell itself mm-hmm. they didn't like the direction it was going so then they jammed Dante into it and made a Devil May Cry game. And it, it shows. Yeah, it very uh, much shows. Uh, not very good uh, overall. I mean, yeah. I guess compared to a lot of action games, it was still kind of solid. But it wasn't what you were expecting. Kind of easy. Yeah. Uh, the first Devil May Cry game was it, it punishing. Was it was punishing. punishing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll gloss over that one. <laughs> yep. And then Devil May Cry 3 came out, or yeah. Return to Form, a prequel to the first Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was, at the time, also PS2, it yeah. was viewed as being one of the hardest games ever made. Yeah. It had a very steep learning curve, if you remember. Like, the first yeah, it... the first few fights, like, it was tough. You had to play it, you had to play it smart, and you can't just jump in there. Yeah. And I think it, it left that lasting impression where people mm-hmm. were like, this game's really hard even though i think it gets easier like most of them as you get better at it and play longer grow your character yeah and that's the thing when you when you start getting other abilities when you start you know um getting more of more health more longer devil trigger that kind of stuff the game does get easier and especially different weapons i I distinctly remember the trichucks nunchucks the cerebus ones those really like you could just string combos together really easily with that um I appreciate that they brought him back in five, but actually, what was it three? I remember, yeah, just sitting there and playing that game, and I played that one multiple times too. But that one was really tough, just uh, just to even like start off. I remember just hiding in the corner half the time, <laughs> yeah. shooting the guns, being like, "Stay just back, die. don't get hit, don't get hit." Yeah, no, I agree. I remember the first uh, the like the the scythe wielding guy that boss oh, fight. Yeah. I was like, oh, ugh. it was so hard. I remember dying so many times the first time I played the yeah. game on that, but. It was also a return to form. I like that you brought up the yeah. the nunchucks thing because uh, I think Devil May Cry three was also the first time that they fully embraced kind of like this cheesiness in the series. Like a, yeah. a lot of times, whenever Dante gets a new weapon or whatever, he has a fun little cheesy cutscene where he's mm. testing it out or whatever, right? Swing like, around, like Woo! yeah. And then also, I'll always remember the opening to that one where he's just chilling at, at his home, right? Yeah. And or the office, and the bad guys come in, and he's just like killing them all creatively while eating pizza, right. rocking out the music, and yeah, yeah, was, that's so cool. I think three is really where the series found yeah. what, where its success would lie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then also the introduction, or not introduction, but the first time that user or players really got to learn about Dante's backstory a little bit more, which yeah. they didn't go into. They hinted at in the first one, but didn't really go into ever. And then you met Virgil really mm-hmm. for the first time, so it was a pretty good game overall. The story is very solid. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and, and well, it sets up for what the rest of the franchise can be. Yeah, as far as story, as far as this, I guess franchise of devil may cry goes yeah sets up that storyline um and then that led us to devil may cry 4 which came out in around 2008 yeah uh introduced a brand new playable character in nero Mm -hmm. uh you still get to play as dante yep also embrace the cheese i think a lot of people weren't big fans of nero at the time though yeah i think they were they they weren't on that bandwagon yeah it's weird because i do remember discussing this with people at the time and Uh i had no problem with nero and i really liked his abilities yeah and like the the demon arm uh, that you could string things together really well and and yeah it It felt very smooth and very well thought out yeah i completely agree uh, and then a few years after that, they went to a little company that is now owned by Microsoft called Ninja Theory. Oh, yeah. They created, uh, eventually went on to create the game Hellblade, which is what got them, mm-hmm. you know, on the, like, really on the map to where they got bought by Microsoft, I think, yeah. uh, to kind of reboot the series, which was, I guess, a little shocking to people. Yeah. Uh, overall, and... Even though I enjoyed it, I think most people didn't. Yeah, I I also enjoyed it a lot. It was one of those things I actually held out on buying uh, pretty much every other Devil May Cry game. I bought, like, right away. Day one, yeah. Yeah, and this one was one of those ones I was like, oh, I'm going to hold out. And then went on sale on Steam, or on Steam, and I bought it, and it was a lot of fun. I was just like, this feels like Devil May Cry. This looked, I mean looks like Devil May Cry to a certain extent. The but, combat felt very similar, yeah. but I think what tore people up was... The hair. The, like the overall feel right yeah. like this was probably the the first one with like more of a message behind it and not yeah. just like a silly goofy kind of fun one which it still had its goofy fun moments and right. dante would wisecrack and stuff but uh did you know that alex garland wrote dmc you know who alex garland is he's mm-hmm. the guy that wrote ex machina and directed oh. ex machina he, oh yeah uh, the beach yeah he wrote he, he's a big sci-fi writer and yeah. stuff so he was actually tagged and wrote that in the dmc game oh really wow. yeah well, so i thought that was always an interesting fact that is i didn't realize that and i mean it makes sense why the story is is the way it is it's, it's a good story yeah not, not against that at all or anything like that but yeah that's that's pretty cool so uh six years after the release of dmc the reboot mm-hmm. and 10 years after devil may cry 4 Capcom, I'm sure most people were like, will we ever see another Devil May Cry? Yeah, I was. It wasn't even on my mind anymore. Yeah. Honestly, it's a long time. Uh, Capcom surprised everyone by just announcing out of the blue, Devil May Cry 5, here it is, coming in a couple months, right? And it was yeah. like, what? Man, that's awesome. They had fun stuff going on. And then here we are. Uh, yep. I was super hype leading up into this game. Yeah. Because... Man, people were, like, right before it came out, the reviews were coming in, and they were just nuts. They were bonkers. Everybody was like, this is a freaking amazing action game. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I got it, I was, like, super hyped. I don't know about you. Yeah, I was, too. I was. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole thing. It was just, like, I was playing uh, something else at the time, so I was just kind of waiting. I think, it, I think I was just playing through Kingdom Hearts all the way. So I was kind of waiting, 
um, until I could put my full attention into it because I knew that once I got the game, I was going to sit there and just play it mm-hmm. and put all my attention focus into the game, and that's exactly what I did. But man, yeah, I was so hyped for that game. It was, yeah, and I feel like it, I, it lived up to it for me. That's yeah. for sure. So let's we're here. <laughs> we both played it. Yeah. Uh, let's discuss it. Very much similar to our last one, mm-hmm. our Kingdom Hearts review. Let's start with uh, more of like the design gameplay elements of it before we get into the story. Uh, mainly because I feel like gameplay, yeah. even though this is gameplay heavy, it's always a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured in the gameplay we would talk about first how we feel about the overall like mission structure slash mm. level design of it. I've Like, is it, do you think they could ever really evolve it? Like, because right now when you play, you, it's broken up into missions, right? There's usually around 20 or so missions each game and each level, each mission is a very kind of tight cornered, like corridor type thing. You're going through very controlled battles, which is awesome. It's how it's meant to be. Uh, But do you, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like it? could evolve into more of like an open world or into something else like how do you feel about its its whole structure i think i could see them moving towards an open world but not like a massive open world more like a mm-hmm. smaller one I'm actually thinking of um infamous second son how that open world yeah it was an open world you could go between two parts of the city but it was pretty small overall mm-hmm. um i feel like they could fit in something like that possibly but do i necessarily want that I don't know yet because if if we got there and they said here it is guys and it was good i'd be happy with it but i guess i'm just used to the traditional Mm. mission style uh you know like you said very controlled battles very controlled uh path that you can walk and that's fine with me because that's how devil may cry games play Mm. and i enjoy it and i don't think it really subtracts from anything like you know, I know we're in this age of everything being open world, pretty much. But it's like, you know what? It's fine to just go back and do a level how you've done it before. Right. Because it works. <laughs> it definitely but. controls the pacing of the game. Yeah. Uh, I like that you brought up Second Son. Because as you said it, I started thinking, yeah, I guess you could run around kind of like an open city. Mm-hmm. And then just select a start a mission and then have it be more catered and controlled mm-hmm. then in corridor But... I think the problem you would have then is you would be able to kind of grind in areas, which I tend to do in yeah. the infamous games and games such like that. Um, and then by the time you actually start a story mission, you're overpowered yeah. and you lose like that element, uh, that of element. control of like difficulty, which Devil May Cry five also kind of, it's not like super hard, like three yeah. was right, but mm-hmm. definitely felt a notch above what most games are nowadays. Like they're, they're not afraid to kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I'd like I like the corridor element of it mm-hmm. a lot and the pacing. It makes it very it actually kind of makes it very easy to pick up and put down, yeah. I think, because you're just like, okay, I'm going to finish this mission. And then it'll be like the missions aren't very long usually. Yeah. Uh I probably say none of them are designed to really be longer than 10 minutes at a time, really. Yeah. Um maybe a little more sometimes, depending on how much you want to explore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel I feel it really works well with what they're going for. And it, with how over the top the game can be at times, I feel like it really controls you, your pacing, yeah. like what you can do ability wise, teaching you its deep mechanics as you go along, never like overloading you with mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I feel like those always worked really well. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I guess the next thing we should talk about is the combat, the core of the game, the very, oh, yeah. the very core of this action game. Uh, I'm going to jump in on this one right off the bat and yeah. just say, I don't think there is an action game I've ever enjoyed more than Devil May Cry as a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the way it feels. I love the characters. It, this one added more characters with different play styles. Even um, I love how cool you look when you do things, but you still have to earn it. Right. Yeah. Like there are other action games out there where they're kind of a button masher, right? You mm-hmm. can pull off all of these cool things, but you just have to press triangle a lot. Right. Yeah. Devil May Cry, that's never been the case. It's very much had that Capcom Street Fighter kind of blood running through it where yeah. to pull off combos, you have to be like timing specific. You mm-hmm. know, the pause, uh, the combos, all that stuff, the angles. I've always loved that. And it's made me appreciate how cool it looks even more when I pull it off. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know about you. No, I, I, I'm the same way. I, I absolutely love the combat in the game. And that's been the main reason I've, I come back to play these games all the time. Is I just want to get in there and I want to beat some beat up some demons with some awesome combos and look awesome doing it. And, that, yeah, like you said, obviously, like, you got to earn it. And I, I love the ranking system, too. Like, oh, right. like, you're getting the S or you're getting the A and that this kind of stuff. This one introduced the quadruple S. That's right. It's <laughs> a <laughs> quadruple s which i thought looked pretty cool um and you know again it it's kind of a good gauge because it kind of tells you how how well you're doing the combos and you know actually telling you whether or not you're getting hit too much and it's like mm-hmm. oh man if i'm getting hit too much i should probably be more cautious of this because i don't have i can't take that many hits kind of thing yeah um yeah the combat was fantastic I, it was in actually one thing i was not a fan of but i liked that you had the option of turning off was the auto auto feature in this one um did you ever notice that so they had like a feature you could click and it was you would click on auto mm-hmm. and they would automatically switch to weapons and like either either firearms or oh no i never noticed that yeah they would, definitely didn't have that on yeah God. exactly <laughs> and it was it was interesting because i was like oh what is this let me try it once uh-huh. and it was like it's super easy to do combos that way because you can kind of almost button mash but it's really hard to get S ranks. Right. So it's like, okay, so I, I think it was a caveat, like, uh, you know, maybe people are picking up Devil May Cry and this is the first Devil May Cry game they're playing because mm. it's been so long since the other ones. And they're like, okay, well, we got to give them a little bit of a handout or a little bit of something here. Um, but I tried it, like, once with each character just to see what, how it worked. And the only one it actually worked for was V. And it didn't feel too, like, gimmicky or, or, or lame. But the other two, it was just like, this does not work for these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to control the combos. This constant switching thing, ugh, was not very good. Um, I get why they added it, but just wasn't... As a seasoned Devil May Cry player, it wasn't something yeah. I recommend. Even if you're... Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Take my freedom from me. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, other than that, the combat's fantastic one of the best aspects of the game yeah i think they do a good job too of like enemy design as well mm-hmm. to kind of draw you into different play styles as well yeah a lot of flying enemies lots of enemies i like to play at a distance on the ground uh, up close on the ground and then obviously as you're running through as we talked about like these tuned corridors of enemies like it, mm-hmm. it, they start mixing more and more of them ones that block like i feel like they they've always done a real good job of balancing the enemies 
for the combat and forcing you to not only get better as you're playing, but you know, to mix it up, not always to stick with one weapon in particular, like yeah. be swapping to address different situations, not just in different encounters, but within the same encounter while fighting all these different enemies. So I thought they've always done that well as yeah. well. They, they definitely have. And, and yeah, I, I like that you bring that up because it's, it's really, really cool way or a really cool thing they do. And, cool way for them to try and get you to do that is when uh they'll present you with an enemy i'm thinking of the guys like almost like like, turn into the balls and roll Mm -hmm. and then they would have flying enemies also well flying enemies are going to be you know it's easier to use like like so playing dante use the nunchucks or the or the or sword for them but then those those rolling guys is like well i want to use a bike because i'm gonna hit them hard and heavy because they're really tough enemies and so it was like you kind of had to play this balancing act and and figure out, you know, what what weapon works best against what what type of enemy, and it's like that's it's like such good get combat design and gameplay design that they do that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the bike because that yeah. uh, something I didn't have down here. Uh, so let's start with like a simple question: uh, Who did you enjoy playing as the most? Did you enjoy playing as Nero, Dante, or the new character V? I think I actually enjoy playing the most as Dante. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like playing as V a lot too, uh, but I felt like he was he was a little simplified. Um, his, his I think he was meant to be that. Yeah. I, th- I think he was meant to be that ent- that new entry character. Played a distance was his core kind yeah. of mechanic, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it was fun. His combat was still really fun, and I felt like you could pull off some really cool combos when you had the the your demon guys come in and whatnot and. Yeah, you could kind of play at a distance. You could play it safe, and and I I think I S ranked every mission with him first try, no problem, <laughs> right. because it really wasn't an issue. Um, I actually was not a fan of Nero in this one really? um, wow. as much. I, I did not like the new arm thing very much, mm-hmm. um, and I struggled to find a good rhythm with it. Right. Uh, whereas in four, I, I felt like that rhythm was just there. It was just kind of automatic, and this time it just it was a little tougher for me to get to. Um, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I hated it or anything, but it just, it, I, I wanted more of the four version of him, which yeah, was unfortunate. I, I, I mean, I feel like he was very similar to four with just the added ability of each arm has its own abilities, right? Yeah. Like, but it, they still had the ability to grab or pull with mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. But I do agree. I never really used, uh, like the charge. I was like, I don't want to lose my arm. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had never used that. I was like... I know I have, like, six arms sitting here, but I just don't want to lose any. Yeah, but uh, I did go back eventually and play it. I did uh, grow to actually appreciate, like, those mechanics more and got better at using them uh, and burning arms, so to speak. And I did feel a little bit better with it, so much so that I would say that Nero was probably still my favorite oh, okay i say nero dante then v yeah not that there was anything wrong with v other than the fact that like because you're controlling multiple creatures like at once yeah it, i felt like one i felt like i was face rolling the controller most of the time right like i was like trying to get trying to be as efficient as possible by having everybody fight at the exact same time uh-huh. that it and ma- kind of control all their combos it, it it just it didn't feel as good to me as dante or nero um, yeah. yeah i do love dante always the ability to swap weapons ranged close uh, on the fly and everything mm-hmm. like that still always feels good but 
there's just something about Nero and that arm and being able to just like control the field that much easier, easier, I guess. Yeah. Easier. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me feel like he's a little bit of a heavier hitter too. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I've always loved since four the the ability to kind of charge his sword. Oh, rev the sword. Yeah, yeah. and like I I got really good at it in four and in five. The timing of mm -hmm. the the instant charge on that. Oh yeah, and it, I always feel it just feels so satisfying when it just lights up, flames. You hear the the rev and it just like hits, and you're like ooh, yeah. it, like it hit that much harder. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, that aspect of, of Nero's character, I it was still there, and I absolutely loved it. And it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, man, this is this feels so good to just, like, rev it and just, like, you know, it, it took me a minute to get back into it because mm -hmm. I was like, wait a second, how do I use this thing again? But then once I did, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then I at that point, I was not using the arm other than to pull things yeah. um, because it's like, yeah, this the revving the sword is exactly what I don't want it to be. Um, but yeah, that's, that is such a cool aspect of, and that's nice that they'd use that to help differentiate his sort of abilities from like Dante's sort of abilities yeah. because it's like, okay, Dante's are more straight combos. This has got this whole other element of revving it and powering up and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Dante a little bit. Obviously he got new weapons. He always, oh, yeah. he always gets new weapons, yeah. new, awesome, crazy, insane, cheesy weapons. Um, <laughs> uh, which one to start? You already brought up the bike. Yep. So let's, let's talk about the fact that he could just split a bike in half and, and turn it <laughs> and turn it into a weapon. Okay. Uh, once I got that, I used that all the time. Yeah. The thing it was almost too powerful. I yeah. Felt like because it controlled your entire 360 degrees, yeah. really. And so I felt it, it was really easy. It felt good and satisfying the control, the yeah. the combat with that, and that I could. If I felt somebody coming in close, swap to it, do a quick sweep to get them to back off a little bit, and then mm -hmm. swap back to, you know, the, well, the Rebellion was broken. Yeah. But the Sparta, sorry. The, the Sparta. Yeah. Um, and things like that. But what, what did you think of said said motorcycle? Well, I, I actually really love the motorcycle, too. And it was one of those situations that I would use a lot when it was a heavy, it was like a bigger guy, like I was mm -hmm. saying, because it was just like, it's it hit so hard, and you could totally control the field like that. Um, I, sh I didn't use it as much in boss fights though. Um, just because it felt like bosses were a lot faster than normal oh, enemies. Yeah. And it's so, a very like, slow weapon. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, oh, I, I can't, I and can't keep up. And it has no up. aerial really capabilities. Oh. Like in the air, that thing is a nightmare. Yeah. It, it is not working in the air. Um, the other thing I did like was the little, he got the gauntlets and the boots back in oh, this yeah. one. Um, those are, those are pretty cool. And, uh, I mean, they're 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 just kind of always what they are. But um, the thing I really enjoyed from Dante was the sword and the different styles you could use on the sword. Now, oh yeah, well the, those were always there. Were they, always or, there? they were at least there since. No, they've, they've been there it. since three. I think four made it so it was easier to swap between them. In That's three, you had to specifically choose. I think between combat. I yeah, that that was the thing. You had to specifically choose beforehand, like mm -hmm. like at the mission start or something. But now you can swap between yeah. what trickster, uh, royal, royal, um, some other ones. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> there, was, there was four, but it was pretty easy to swap actually yeah. in, in this game, and it felt really cool to string combos together between the different kinds yeah and so I was like, oh this is that was neat i, I appreciated that um and i mean that doesn't just apply to the sword too yeah. right that applies to almost all the weapons yeah. i believe I and which is nuts to think about mechanically like the amount of effort the designers put into each single weapon to be yeah. able to support those four very distinct play styles like a defensive an offensive a show off mm -hmm. right like 
uh, a gun-based one, like all that stuff. Uh, was it the new Cerebus, um, the Trichucks in this one? Uh, that was really cool because you could swap and they added would, the lightning. Yeah, they added the lightning, and then it become the staff, and you're just like, oh yeah, I forgot about the bow staff. That was really oh yeah. man. There was some there was they did some cool things God, with weapon whoever, design in this game. Whoever designs on Devil May Cry, they must have such a blast. <laughs> I know. Just, I think that too. Nothing nothing's wrong. Everything could be right because yeah. of just the world and everything. Speaking of which, the hat. The, oh, yeah. the Michael Jackson hat. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> the hat. My first playthrough but, I didn't really use it uh-huh. because it obviously absorbed your, your currency in the yeah. game, right? But Man, it is just a ridiculous weapon. I went back, obviously, in my yeah. further playthroughs. Man, <laughs> I mean, did you ever really use it? I tried it out a couple times. I was like, ah, I'm not sure exactly how to do this. And then, obviously, I was, I was afraid of the currency. And then, yeah, when I went back on my second playthrough, I was like, let me try this a little bit more and see if I can get it. And then, yeah, you start getting it. Dance attacks. Dance attacks all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You're just like, what yeah, the heck? It's, it's actually pretty powerful overall. Uh, yeah. I do like the, the scarf. That gets shorter as you run out and yeah. stuff. I thought that was really cool. Very, very smooth. Are we forgetting any new weapons? Um, I mean, there's the other firearms. There's the dual bazookas this time. Oh, yeah. Actually, I found uh, the whatever Mary's original bazooka was from 3 oh, yeah. on my first playthrough. So I actually got that before I got the one from the story. Oh. So by the time I got to the one in the story towards like the second to last mission or the last mission mm-hmm. i already had both which i don't know if they intended for that all i think i think originally it was supposed to be like a secret and you find it late on a second playthrough or whatever but oh. because i was just scouring every little nook and cranny, cranny. Oh. Uh, i found it so right off the bat i was already like dual wielding <laughs> that was actually that was actually pretty helpful and it was actually the most helpful to me in boss fights because it, it did a lot of damage for mm-hmm. range and you're like ah i gotta stay back it's, man, the bosses hit hard in this game. Yeah. Um, but and so I was like, I gotta stay back. And I'm just gonna bazooka this guy for a minute. But uh, yeah, that was that was another aspect that I thought was really fun. And then they had the traditional ebony and ivory and the Never, shotgun. God, I love ebony and ivory. And those guns are that is just <laughs> man, those are fun. And One of my favorite are... weapons in all of gaming history is ebony and ivory. Yes, I completely agree with that. Um. Yeah, uh, so beyond beyond just the weapons, character growth, uh, the game, I mean, it doesn't really mix it up that much. It's the mm. same as it's always been, but it's always satisfying to kind of get the currency, go buy new combos that fit your play style first yeah. versus uh, having to have like a specific skill growth, right? Yeah. Uh, so being able to choose specifically how you want to grow, where you want to grow it. Do you want to grow it on the ebony and ivory? Do you want to grow it on the Michael Jackson hat? Who would rather grow it with the the sparta or the motorcycle thing right mm-hmm. like i always i always enjoyed that cater cater to the player yeah i really enjoyed that too and and i thought they did well in this one because they really kind of broke it down a lot further mm-hmm. like there was just some ones that were like oh here's your general mobility thing yeah. kind of stuff like oh you know i can i can move around the field easier and those were kind of the first things i got because... always get double jump first yeah <laughs> always. always get double jump um, but it, it, they, it, they help you get around the field so much easier, and it's like, all right, those are great. And then, yeah, after that, I was kind of focusing in, depending on which character I, I, I was playing, which one or you know which aspects of their combat style that I was kind of honing in on. Is Ebony mm-hmm. Ivory for sure first, and then it was it was the Devil Sword Sparta, and then after that, I kind of started doing some of the other stuff because I maxed those out almost like immediately for Dante. Right. 
And then um, for Nero, I spent a lot of money into his sword. Well, I mean, yeah. Nero's a little bit more... Nero is probably the most basic. Of yeah. Because he doesn't have any changes, right? Yeah. He has his one gun, his one sword. But I think his combo tree is much larger than yeah. Dante's. His combo uh, tree For is any one of those weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, as And then V was probably in between the two because he had the three different enemies that you could kind of grow yeah. beyond increasing his own range and stuff on his cane yeah. jab. His cane jab. <laughs> which was always felt really satisfying when you like, when you target and shoot over there and just yeah. like break something. I did like that they made it so he had to finish it, right? Yeah. Like the, the pawns would fight and whittle them down, but V had to finish it. Yeah, I liked that, that was cool. That was cool. It felt well thematically as well. Yeah, that did. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about in the gameplay or the design? That it was the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is is I would I feel like we're just gushing over it, but it's like I really struggled to come up with anything I didn't like very much it or is, I thought didn't work. I mean, Devil May Cry is like I said since the first one, it's always felt. What, like one of the most fun games I could play. Yeah. Like it just feels really good when you're playing it, satisfying, enjoyable. Never feels overwhelming per yeah. se. They never throw too much at you at once or anything yeah. like that. They they always have, like I said, they cater to you, mm-hmm. so they never force you to play any specific way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I agree. It's just it, it's too good. It's yeah. too good. Actually, as you were talking about, I did think of one thing. I kind of mentioned it earlier about the bosses hitting hard. Uh-huh. It's like the only time I died in the game was against bosses. When I was playing through the normal levels, I found that there, like the enemies were easy to manage, and no one ever got me to a point where I was like, "I'm cornered, I'm getting, I'm getting mm-hmm. messed up, I can't get out of this kind of thing." Um, but you know, that's that's fine. It wasn't like it was a big a big issue or anything like that because bosses should be more difficult. The bosses also always have that added mechanic, essentially, of timing matters, right? Right. You're supposed to. I mean. All the enemies, you're supposed to read, mm-hmm. understand their attack patterns, right? But yeah. the bosses have that much more specific mm-hmm. of like attack patterns that you have to know when to go in, when to back off, right? Yeah. And when to swap to a specific style and things like that, so... Yeah, and, and I guess that was the case. And sometimes it felt like the patterns, and I'm sure they did some purpose, but felt, sometimes it felt like the patterns would switch up a little bit on you yeah. in the boss fights. And then that's when, that's when I would just get punished. I was like, oh, shoot... I was just going on this last pattern. Now I'm over yeah. here and getting messed up. But uh... I actually did find the final battle against Virgil to be a good example of this, yeah. but also really hard because yeah. he was constantly evolving as you were fighting him, which means you studying him last, what you would learn would last less. Yeah. Before he would change it up again. Yeah. So and it's like, and it's like I appreciate that a lot because of how just well that's all designed. But I will say that was those are the harder parts of the game to me. Mm-hmm. We're taking on the bosses, yeah. But, um, but it was good. So now that I spoiled who the final boss is, let's talk about the story. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, did you want to give a quick rundown, real fast, of the story uh, that not just through this, but because it's so prevalent in everything? Do a quick rundown of the story of Dante and Virgil. All right. Yeah. So uh, I mean, that's that is the story in this one. That's the story throughout all of them. Um, but Dante and Virgil are the sons of uh, demon Sparta, um, who betrayed, betrayed demon, demon kind, demon kind, yeah, and fought for humanity 
and loved a human, so he had his two sons, Dante and Virgil. Half-breeds. Half-breeds. Um, they proceeded to go down different paths, Virgil taking more of the demonic evil path and going ahead and joining up with them and becoming an adversary to Dante. Um, I mean, we really start learning about this more in Don't Make Cry 3, right? Yeah. Um, it, was, think... it was the death of their mother, yeah. right, after their father had passed away that led to them being split up in a degree. Right. And they actually touch on that a little bit more in this one, but I'll let you continue. Yeah, no, that's exactly the thing. Yeah, it's the death of their mother that leads to them being split up, and they're going down these different paths. Um, and they're both given these swords, uh, the Rebellion and then the Yamato, mm-hmm. which are, you know, kind of incarnates of their power, which is really interesting. Um, but, yep, throughout the whole thing in Devil May Cry 3, um, Dante, you know, he seals away um, uh, Virgil and we kind of go from there and you hit Devil May Cry 4 there's this new character Nero um, and he's interesting because you know he's got this demon arm you're like what's his deal he's working in this other organization um, but you don't get any sign or whiff of Virgil in that one which I thought was kind of other like, than the fact that his arm is revealed to be Yamato exactly I was going to say other than that fact and then you're like why does why is his arm Yamato and you know they carry that over in this game yeah uh, almost one of the first cutscenes is Nero's arm getting removed by some shadowy figure, which we find out is Virgil, um, because he needs the Yamato back. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, oh man, that's crazy. Why was the Yamato turn, uh, tuned to Nero in the first place? And, you know, I, I think in 4, I kind of suspected this. But like was, a lot of people yeah. kind of did. But... And then they could just straight confirm it in this one. Nero is Virgil's son. Yeah. And Dante's nephew, and you're like, oh snap, this is great, fantastic story stuff. And that kind of carries us through this whole story, um, but also introduces another character by the name of V. And why I mentioned the the weapons, the Rebellion and the Yamato, they both do very specific things. Mm. Dante learns what his does um, by breaking and him piercing himself with it and creating his own devil sword. Uh, I think it is just Devil Sword Sparta again. Um, but, no, it was like oh wait, I, I think it was named know. after I think it was named after him. Yeah, I think once right. he absorbed both swords, Dante, it was the Dante or something. Yeah. It was like the something. I'll yeah, it was the Dante. You going. Yeah, but he he makes his own sword, and then Yamato is going to unlock um, all of, of Virgil's demonic power and make him a pure demon, essentially, uh, which creates the character V because that was his humanity or what was left of his humanity, um, which I thought was really cool. Uh, that they actually kind of showed the differences and the purposes of these swords that we've been kind of used to hearing about or playing with this A little bit more time. of a backstory to yeah. them, right? Because they were all created from Sparta. Right. So it's, yeah, it is called the Devil Sword Dante. That's what it is, the Devil Sword Dante. But yeah, he creates that sword, which is actually a really cool sword to use throughout most of the game um, as Dante. Uh, but that is kind of the story of Dante and Virgil, and it feels like... We finally got to a conclusion with it, but at the same time... I mean, is it a conclusion? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At the same time, I don't know that it is, um, but they're they're hanging out now. <laughs> they seem to be <laughs> palling around. So, uh, I've that... always, yeah, I've always enjoyed their, the Dante Virgil mechanic, right? Yeah. Devil May Cry 1, right. he's hinted at, right? Because yeah. they, they, it's a focus on, who is Dante? Oh, his mom died, he had a brother. And then you find out that one of the recurring enemies is... Uh, your brother kind of demified by the main bad guy of that game. Yeah. Um, 
And then three, they go into the history of Virgil and they have like this interesting kind of rivalry and mm-hmm. how, but respect for one another always. Yeah. And I felt like they did a good job in five in maintaining that, right? Like there's there's definitely that deep-seated hatred in Virgil for Dante, right? Even right. though Dante does not hate Virgil in the least. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't they I think in five they elaborate further on why Virgil's mad is because the mom chose to save chose Dante. to save Dante over Virgil and yeah even though she went to actually save him save Virgil afterwards but uh yeah so I, I've always found that mechanic between or not the mechanic that feeling between the two of those characters to be one probably one of the strongest ones in gaming narrative overall yeah, mainly because so. they, they just keep building on keep... it through these various games yeah. uh but yeah, I've always it's it's always felt satisfying like their interactions with each other and the the rivalry that they have like his his uh, rebirth in five right yeah. just right off the bat Virgil doesn't want to beat Dante when he's beaten down and mm-hmm. stuff like that and I don't know it's just it's it's always like it feels good like it's wholesome yeah. to a degree yeah even though there's nothing but malice really from Virgil but just <laughs> with just like a touch of brotherly love yeah like. It, I don't know, wholesome. It feels wholesome. Yeah, so that's it. that is a good way to put it. it feels wholesome, but uh, yeah, those that's yeah. I, I think it's it is one of my favorite aspects of the game too, um, mm-hmm. and just learning the story and all that. And like you said, we we're not sure how this how this one ended. It feels like it could we could get a Devil May Cry six coming down the line somewhere here. Uh, find out a little bit more about their story. And I was kind of thinking about it, and I'm like, man, I'd really love to play as Virgil one time. And maybe that'll be something that you we're going to get. I thought I thought in... Th- in three, you could. Three special edition, you could. Yeah, three special edition, you and could. And in this one, can't you play as him in Bloody Palace or something? That's right, you can in Bloody Palace. But I, I would love to see... Actually, what I'm thinking about specifically is a little bit like how they did, they did with this game, where you're going through missions, you're kind of switching between characters, mm-hmm. and the story's piecing together. I would love to see that aspect. Right including Virgil instead of as like, Oh, you can play as them on a one-off or a side kind of thing. And so right. it's like, uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's a hope. It's a hope for me. And you know, with, with the way five ends, it feels like that might be a path to lead to in six. I but. just have to put this out there, but I really enjoyed the Dante Virgil story in DMC as well. I did too, actually. <laughs> I did, final, I'm kind of forgetting final, about it. That final mission <laughs> Because I I did feel close to Virgil in that yeah. game, and that final mission when he finally drops these like okay now we can enslave humanity and it's like what, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no I, I I thought that was awesome yeah. uh, but anyways yeah back to five uh, so yeah like you said somebody steals Nero's arm yeah he gets uh then he gets his little he, well yeah he gets his, arm. he doesn't actually get his mechanic yeah, arm right. someone someone steals his arm which force and then an event happens in. Uh, what's the name of the city? Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, Redgrave City or something like yeah. that. Um, Fictional city. <laughs> yeah, uh, this giant tower of plant that's going to suck the life out of the planet and open a hole to the demon realm uh, appears with this demon king, and then we get the introduction of the new character V. We yeah. find out that it, through the story that V and uh, this demon were actually virgil split in half through right. the special ability of yamato mm-hmm. and it seemed like v was dying but do you think so i was thinking about this so when v is standing over the demon king's body before they remerge into virgil do you think it was v's plan all along to remerge or do you feel like because like throughout the game he's 
he comes off as a generally good guy with a conscience, yeah. right? And like a thought process mm-hmm. that's very clear. But then towards the end, it, I guess in that scene, it makes him come off like more of a sinister, like it was his plan all along to use them to kind of remerge and heal Virgil in a sense. Mm, yeah. you, I mean, how do you feel about like that whole thing? It's kind of one of those things. I, I guess uh, initially I kind of thought it was more sinister, um, mm. but the more, well, on the second playthrough and everything like that, I, I realized that I think he was merging because he thought this was the only way to save what was left of Virgil was to bring them back together and then maybe he could reclaim some of his humanity and maybe he could be a better person mm-hmm. because I think, you know, little bird character throughout the entire, uh, the entirety of the game is, is almost an embodiment of his conscience, which is funny because they kind of go back and forth a lot and they kind of discuss whether or not they should be doing something. Or... I found it always funny or not funny. I thought it was cool that yeah. all of those demons were the demons from the first game. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought that was a cool callback. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Um, but the, those, the, that, I mean, the bird demon was really cool because it kind of helped to see this dichotomy between the two characters. And that's where I realized in the second play too, is that he's more, he's not sinister about it. He's, he thinks this is what's best yeah. at this point. Um, because he realizes, yes, I'm going to fade away, but I can't let Virgil's humanity fade away. Right. Um, because if I do, then he's only going to be this demon and he'll never be who he was. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. I felt like I felt like at some point towards the end, like it was all part of a plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so Virgil, I guess, was just weak from the years of battling in the demon realm and stuff like that. I think yeah. they even say like losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't. I'm, I wasn't very clear on how splitting his body necessarily heals him, and then remerging would heal him. Yeah, in a sense, but. No, it, it, throughout the game, at first, it seemed like V had this weird... Obviously, he, he didn't like Dante. Yeah. He, he had, but he was very cool with Nero. It, so I, I wanted to believe that it was all coming from a good place. Like, mm-hmm. his, like oh, yeah, the humanity... The human side of Virgil is still good. Yeah. But towards the end, it definitely felt more like... No, the human side of Virgil is almost worse than the demon <laughs> side. He's just this nefarious plotter behind the scenes uh-huh. right like yeah. that, it is the human side of virgil that's probably worse than his demon side even mm-hmm. yeah i know that's that's an interesting point yeah I, I agree and then i think like i said that's why they almost see the the bird character as this mm. wait no you probably shouldn't do that dude so it's like you're talking to a demon bird and he's telling you you shouldn't do something yeah uh, <laughs> maybe he maybe you are maybe you are a little more evil than we realize but uh I, I think overall the way they reveal the story and how it's structured is is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at some point in time I kind of started suspecting what was going on, uh, but I never felt like it was, yeah, it was too it, obvious or anything like that. Not off the bat, like no. the, you. I mean, other than his initial being V, v there was yeah. nothing to connect him to Virgil at that yeah. time. Um, so I, I did like that. Um, I guess Nero's story, Nero's whole story in this one is like his his growth, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Obviously, right off the bat, Dante kind of shoos him away, trying to protect him. He's like, mm. this is above your head, kid. You know, that type of stuff. And yeah. he was like, I'm not a kid anymore, right? I can help. But then he gets kind of knocked away. And then he's kind of like seeking that acceptance of his strength from Dante throughout mm-hmm. most of the game. Because Dante's constantly pushing him off. And then we find out at the end 
that Dante was only doing it because he didn't want this to be a patricide, which I thought it was funny that he called it a patricide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought I thought his growth was really yeah. good. Uh, they saved the big unveil of his demon heritage until the end. Obviously, we yeah. we assumed he had demon heritage, but we couldn't know for sure where it came from until the end, where Dante came out and was just like, "Hey, you know, uh-huh. I don't want you killing your dad." Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I'd rather just kill my brother than you kill your dad. Yeah, which I thought was funny as well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny as well. But, all right, uh, and then. Nero finally I thought it was a little rushed how he engaged his devil trigger though right yeah. like he was on the phone with Kyrie right yeah. and then he was just like I'm, I'm this is my family I'm I'm saving them bam I'm a demon now what yeah right? like I thought that was a little weird but I did like the design of his demon overall yeah. and like his emphasis on the hands obviously mm-hmm. because his arm is the big big deal but he like can now regrow his arm whenever he sees fit yeah <laughs> he can lose it slash regrow it whenever i thought that was funny that was but I, I did it felt nero's character felt very satisfying in this one overall like it, at first i thought it was like man why are you acting you know so angry right mm-hmm. it's just like chill out yeah but uh it, it really kind of paid off at the end when it was revealed that he finally confirmed revealed that he was part of the family yeah right? so yeah, and it was it was a really cool way to span a two game like story arc or character arc yeah. for him. It was like okay, well, we kind of just got introduced to him. We got we had some suspicions, and then we just got him full on part of the family. Him getting his devil uh, trigger, all that stuff, and so it was just like, man, what they're doing next with him is going to be interesting too. Whatever that, whatever they do, or if they continue to use him mm-hmm. in games, which I hope so because I I, I well, found he's the only one left on the Earth side. That's so. right. So that's what I was kind of thinking. It's like, uh, how how will they do this in future games, or will they do this in future games and whatnot? But yeah, yeah, he's the one who's got to protect everyone on the Earth side. Yeah, and then Dante's whole arc, right? He's, yeah. I, like I mean, Ark is kind of a stretch. He's Dante. Uh, he's always just Dante. Always stands up for what's right, right? Yeah. And then um, he's just funny one-liners and fancy dances and yep. <laughs> show off. Um, I mean, I do sense like he de- obviously you his character. He constantly shows he doesn't want to necessarily be in this thing with Virgil. Yeah. This back and forth kind of combat but at the same time he, he just accepts that is like as long as you're you're still threatening you know me or the earth i'm gonna have to stand between you like yeah i don't want this you're my brother which was obviously built up in three right mm-hmm. uh, but virgil is just like nah i want you dead or not yeah. it's not that virgil wants dante dead it's just that virgil wants to prove he's stronger yeah that that seems it seems like such a pure sibling rivalry thing he wants to prove he's better, he's stronger, and doesn't he even doesn't Virgil even have like that musing uh, after he's reborn at the from the top of the tree where he's like, I wonder if mom had saved me if our roles would have been reversed. Yeah, right. Yeah, he kind of does that. Kind of a, a, a throwaway line, but eh, I feel like it does kind of add a lot to his character, though. Hmm. Like you know, he realizes, and I think he wants the audience to realize where I'm coming from a place of you know my growth my circumstance you know my uh what's it called it's this grudge he's holding against really their mother and and dante for not being the one who was saved and 
you know, I think it's interesting because it's like, well, yeah, if he was saved, if they were both saved, would any of this really happen? Well, mm-hmm. probably not, but we don't know. That's kind of one of those aspects. And it's a question he's asking himself and he's asking the audience. And it's like, well, I'm glad you weren't saved, so we got some good games out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think at the end, because like in Devil May Cry 3 and in this one, they always hint at the fact that it's not that Dante is necessarily stronger. They're usually, yeah. when, like, especially in like cutscenes, and yeah. I think they did a good job during the final boss fight of this one. They, they emphasize that you they are essentially equally matched at almost at all times, yeah. right? It's more of just the the morality of what Dante is doing gives him like that ability to keep going just a little bit further. Yeah. Um, so even though it was Nero that kind of came in and saved the day this time, mm-hmm. otherwise they would just would have been fighting forever. Yeah. Um, I did thought it was <laughs> when Nero shows up and he, uh, he kind of backhands Dante when Dante is about to let out a little quiff. <laughs> <with> his, <laughs> and then he's like, I don't want anyone else dying here. And then Dante throws out that line. He's just like, well, you could have killed me with that bitch slap, right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I thought that was pretty funny. That was, that was good. Dante with his quips, which, I mean, I thought, okay, so it's kind of just get off of straight plot-related yeah. things. This is definitely the funniest Devil yeah. May Cry. They definitely completely like embrace that 90s, 80s action cheese. Yeah, uh, Lots of over-the-top cutscenes, people doing crazy things right from the get-go yep. to Dante's, obviously Dante's quips all the time. Like, I don't know, what was your favorite cheese moment in this one? I think any time you called the van. And how it just showed up out of literally <laughs> yeah. nowhere in yeah. this crazy banner. <laughs> you're like, what is going on? Yeah. But it was just like, oh man, it's like, oh, I need the story. And you know, normally they had the statues. And then when you got to the Demon Realm, the statues were there. But when you got to call the van, it was like... Always has that inch that coming from a hallway through the through the wall yeah <laughs> i would just drive it up through the ground what is going on where is this van coming from mm. but uh just that level of cheese and hilarity with this van just appearing out of nowhere um and him using the van in the opening cutscene to slay demons along with his sword and gun i was gonna say that's probably my favorite cheese moment because it, it just sets the mood just right for the game yeah. right it's so over the top goofy that like the van's driving down you see the demons she's just the driver she's just running over all these demons and eventually the van just flips and Nero chooses to jump out and then in like this weird time dilation like yeah he's just flipping over it within like seconds of this van flying and just murdering all these things to this music quick cut cut back in the van the girl uh what's her name again gosh I, I thought remember. it started with an N. Nico. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she She's like in slow motion trying to flip a cigarette into her mouth or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. It was, it was just so perfect. The music, uh, we haven't really touched on that, but the yeah. music is always on point in these games. Yeah, that's and The true. music playing in the background in that scene is just, it's so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's just, man, it's such a, it's such a great way to set up what the game's gonna be like and it's such a great way to just be like you remember these games you remember how great they are you remember how much fun these can be <laughs> look at this yeah yeah uh that uh i 
I really loved the scene where Virgil was reborn, right? And Dante oh, yeah. immediately goes to attack, and they have, like, that bit where, like, Virgil just, like, shrugs him off with the sheath of his sword. Oh, yeah. And then Dante is, like, flying through the air and throws it back, and Virgil just, like, catches it on the sword again, but he's, like, blown way back and all that <laughs> stuff. And then uh, Virgil's like, oh, I'm not going to fight you until you heal up a bit because otherwise my victory means nothing yeah uh and then they have that back and forth between dante and nero about how nero's uh virgil is nero's dad right yeah and it's the line it was the line delivery mm-hmm. that that really stood out in that scene because it was very 80s 90 action cheese it was yeah. it was there was nothing subtle about what dante was saying and the way he delivered it was just it was perfect it was just like over the top like matter of fact right yeah like I, I, and I felt like that was happening throughout the game as well that I really love yeah. about the series. Yeah. Like, they fully embraced it, and that shows through the voice acting as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, everybody's just the, the badass now, right? Like, they're just, like, the unstoppable guy, action yeah. hero, and, yeah, I, I, I love it. I yeah, love it all. <laughs> that was really cool. Uh, I do actually have a negative, kind of, oh. for the story, though. And that was Trish and Lady. Lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought it was pointless to have them there to just have them be fodder for, you know, being beat on. Right. It was unnecessary. It it did nothing to aid any of the characters, Mm -hmm. uh, their growth or anything. It. I I felt like they threw them in there just because fan service stuff. Right. Yeah. they wanted that connection to the previous ones as well, but it, they do nothing but get defeated in fights. They never have a moment of glory within themselves. Yeah, actually, no, I, I agree with that. And it, I was, I was thinking about that. It was kind of in the back of my mind. Yeah, it was just I didn't get what I wanted from them in this game, and it felt like uh, the studio didn't know what to do with them. Right, they're supposed to be these really strong characters, right? Yeah. And that's fine. I want to see them being awesome. Yeah. Mary was awesome in three. Mm-hmm. Trish was awesome in four and one, right? Like right. they're supposed to be strong, yeah. and that's what I wanted to see from them. But all I ever saw was them falling down. Essentially, there was no pick themselves up moment or anything yeah, like no. that. Matter of fact, they get used against you, right? They mm-hmm. oh, knock down. Now you're a demon that you have to beat, right? Knock yeah. down. Now you're a demon you have to beat, like. Why? <laughs> they yeah. like they didn't need them to be those demons because that had no greater purpose either. Mm-hmm. They could have just had those demons be demons. Yeah. I don't no. know. Hey, that was just a nitpicky. No, I mean thing, I, I agree with that because yeah, it just it, it didn't give me what I wanted and I wanted I wanted more out of them because I like their characters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever watched the anime, the Don't Make I right? did. Oh yeah, but you know, they're great characters in that and mm-hmm. you're just like yeah, but then you did this to them in this game. That's really just unfortunate. Like, I, I almost would have had them be like Kitty completely off the screen. Yeah. We never see them or anything like that instead of what they're what they did with them in this one. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought up the anime though, because yeah. did you ever read the book, the I novel? Did, I didn't read the book. They completely canonized it in this game, and I thought that was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that whole backstory of that city, uh-huh. uh, the Tony Redgrave thing, yeah. that's all in that book. When, I guess, at some point, Dante, before 3, he was this kind of, he was hiding amongst people under the pseudonym, in that city, under the pseudonym Tony Redgrave. Oh, Nico's yeah. uh, mother was the one that created Dante's guns. That's all covered. Oh. That's all covered in the book. Oh, and that's cool. And so, up until now, they've never even mentioned anything about it. But mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess in the anime they kind of do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in the this one they completely were just like, yeah, the novels canon. I thought that was cool. That is cool. 
I didn't waste those hours reading. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the music. The the I think it's been classified as butt rock. <laughs> butt rock. Butt rock. I really love the theme. The yeah. theme. I remember when the game came out. The theme was. I, I mean, I still listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on my rotating playlist. But uh, I I kept seeing on YouTube and stuff like that, like videos of this this song goes with everything, and it was always like videos of like various speed dances and stuff to that song, and they all just like beat perfect and stuff uh-huh. like that. I, I was having a good time at that time, and then yeah, yeah, I've always enjoyed the themes of the Devil May Cry. They've always been pretty good. Yeah, I think music is one of the things they do really well, and it really helps build um, like the feel of the games. Yeah, like it's just really like there's nothing orchestral about yeah. it, right? Which is perfect because the the characters, the world, the action doesn't fit like that orchestrated element, right? right. Like not saying orchestrated music's bad at all. No, uh, uh, just saying like that subtlety that you get from like a variety of like instruments, like soft instruments, like mm-hmm. what, you know, like it doesn't do this the way these characters are. Well, the fact yeah. that they, it is just this over the top butt rock, as, yeah. if you would. Uh, is perfect because these characters are goofy. The music's yeah. goofy, right? Like this, this all fits together. The fits action the is quick yeah. and fluid, so the music is just like in your face and mm-hmm. ro- rocking with you. Uh, I've always enjoyed that. Yeah, no, definitely. That's music's been one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, but uh, I thought they did exceptionally well on this one as well with it, and they provided us with a couple new songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, yeah. We needed those, <laughs> but they were cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah. So the ending of this one ends up with Nero, um, Nero still on Earth, right. working with Nico. The keep Devil May Cry. The that's the name of the business as well. Right. We, didn't, we didn't touch on that. That's the name of the <laughs> that's business. Right. Uh, the demon hunting business is called well, Devil and May Cry. Tish and um, Lady too, right? All three of them are. Oh yeah, I yeah. guess they are too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Dante and Virgil are in hell trying to chop down the roots of this demon tree once mm-hmm. and for all. But it cuts to them and they're just goofing around with each other down there. Just still fighting, mm-hmm. keeping track of who lands a blow on each other, right? And yeah. they have like a point system going. Very classic, you know, jokey ending for yeah. Devil May Cry. I thought that was, that was fun. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, once again showing more it actually showed more of like uh i guess growth on both those characters of, of uh, acceptance of one another right like right. It, it seemed like a lot of the anger that virgil had for dante in this game had dissipated by that point yeah that's so. the same line too as i was saying it's like it feels like they're like together <laughs> like you yeah. know they still have this rivalry that they're always going to have of being siblings but they now accept each other and, and they're not trying to kill each other all the time. Yeah. So that's, that was really cool. But it's always fun to watch those two fight because everything's always so perfect, right? Yeah. Like they, they block with like the tip of their swords and <laughs> stuff like that. Just over the top. Love it. It's, it's Love awesome. it. It's always awesome. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to touch on about the story while we're here or anything um, relating to it? No, I don't think so, actually. I think that's pretty much it um, for me. So overall, final thoughts? I guess what would you? How would you rate this game in your opinion? Everyone needs to go buy and play it. It's fantastic. I mean, I might be biased because I played all the Devil May Cries and I'm a huge fan of the series, but I think this is probably one of the best Devil May Cries they've made, mm. and uh, this is one of my favorite games I've played so far this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, it's funny this game came out around the same time as Sekiro. Oh, that's right. Um, 
and those are both action games but they have very different types of action yeah and i i just found it interesting because i saw like a rift between people as they talked about these games as they were coming out because people were very excited for devil may cry some people were very excited for sekiro i obviously fall in the devil may cry camp i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of the dark souls combat yeah and the reason for that is i by no means think that it's bad those Mm -hmm. games are fantastic the dark Souls, sekiro everything from software is doing is amazing yeah it's just to me it doesn't fit what i want from an action game which is exactly what devil may cry always gives me Mm -hmm. which is i feel amazing i feel unstoppable i feel like a cool guy right i'm just this cool guy taking out demons with like flair yeah i'm in control of the situation right Mm -hmm. oh we didn't touch upon how the fact that all these characters are immortal by By. definition (laughs) (laughs) but uh that adds to that that adds to their character and why they're all so cocky is because they're all technically immortal they can't die (laughs) Eh, whatever fly all over the place you can lose in the game and get game over but technically they can't die unless you like remove their hearts or something yeah um but yeah, so uh, that feeling, I've never gone anywhere else. So, and this game delivered on mm. that in spades. Everybody should play this game. Yeah. It's, it's I think accessible enough for new players to just hop in and uh, play around and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Lots of extras. You can replay missions as different yeah. characters, which is cool. It's I see, do like that. See slightly different things happen. Yeah. Uh, nothing like shattering because it's a very narrative driven game so they can't have too many different types of stuff happening but uh that the bloody palace is always there so Mm -hmm. you just really hone your skills overall uh plenty of cutscenes you can rewatch. awesome action to rewatch. this is one of the few games where i do go back and watch those things because they're just like the opening cutscene. they're just really fun also did you get the pre-order edition where you got the live action cutscenes? I didn't. Have you seen those? No, I haven't, actually. After this, listen to this video. I'm going to show you some of those. Or maybe I won't. I think I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I deleted the, the, the files off my PS4. We can check. All right. Live action cutscenes. Hilarious. Just hilarious. Like <laughs> They call them previs. Oh. Um, and like imagine the opening cutscene. Uh-huh. Only you have these actual actors sitting in like a barely kind of cardboard box made to look like the van <laughs> they're saying their lines they're kind of acting like they they do in that scene right uh-huh. they got like cardboard box that just says like jukebox on it so when he's going to turn on the music it's just like hitting cardboard and stuff like that and then uh when it cuts back to the van about to run over the demons it's just like a toy van being pulled <laughs> along this track if it's all these little things it, it's it's hilarious uh, that's that's great if that anything is... i can just show it to you on the tv oh, okay but uh yeah. yeah it's it's amazing fun very fun to watch for sure uh and they did that for like i think all the cutscenes throughout the game it was a pre-order bonus that's really cool so yeah um good times all around for devil yeah. may cry I just always so. uh where do you think they can go from here where do you think uh i mean it's kind of way out there in the open where do you but where do you where would you like to see them go from here so from here, I think I want to see... I, I touched on it a little bit. I want more of this swapping characters and different mm-hmm. combat styles. I, I love it. It's fantastic. I'll uh, see what they do with this tree. If they're able to take it down. Um, and I think it would be really interesting to actually make a Devil May Cry game 
where Nero is actually the main character of it. He's kind of is in this one, but then once Dante shows back up, it kind of starts going both ways. You definitely spend more time with Dante than yeah. Nero. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would think that would be the way I'd want to see Six go is, you know, we're going to find out mainly what's going on with Nero and on the Earth and what he's doing uh, to defend and keep running Devil May Cry, really. And then, you know, find out what's going on with Dante and Virgil and that kind of stuff. And, you know, multiple multiple uh, characters you can play as and whatnot would be a lot of fun, too. But uh, Here's a question for you. Where would you place this amongst your favorite Devil May Cry games? Ooh. I think I still have to put three at top. Hmm. And I think this is just like right there. Like it's tough because I almost want to say this one. And maybe it's just because I played it most recently. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in my heart three was the better, like not really the better game, but it was just, it was something else. They do something that I feel like the other Devil May Cry games don't do as well, which is build up the villain. Yeah. Right. Um, like in the first one, not only did you have Virgil as they were building him up, but you also had Mary's father. Yeah. That was kind of this really good kind of puppeteer, kind of mm-hmm. egging Virgil on and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I feel like they do a good one with this one as well, with just building up the conflict that's happening within Virgil himself, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. It, it's hard to top three overall. Yeah. But I think this gets pretty darn close. Yeah, that's, that's what I think, too. It's, it gets pretty close to top three, but... Yeah, but uh, this is, yeah, that's what I said. It's like it's one of the best Devil May Cry games um, easily and a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's well, that's a good note to go out on then. Yeah. Um, so Devil May Cry is sadly behind us now yep. until they do Lord's Wife. I hope, because this is the same, their main creator now, I mm. hope that he I, instead of moving on to Devil May Cry 6, instead I'd like to see him move on to Dragon's Dogma, go back to Dragon's Dogma. Oh, yeah. I would like that. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but what what do you have on your Horizon gaming-wise? Um, Obviously, E3 just passed yeah. by, so a lot more things got announced since the last time we asked this question. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Uh, Cyberpunk looked really awesome mm. at E3, and Keanu Reeves being on it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but... You're breathtaking. <laughs> yes. But uh, Death Stranding, definitely. Um, it's actually coming out later this year. That right? was a surprise. Yeah. Right before E3, Sony announcing Death Stranding for November. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Did, did you pre-order the Collector's Edition? I have not pre-ordered I yet. pre-ordered the Collector's Edition oh. because it comes with the life-size uh, the... baby in a jar. <laughs> fetus in a jar thing. And I was just like, man... Oh. What a talking point that is to have just out. Somebody comes over to your house to see the. What's that? Oh, it's this great game. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do you know about how Japanese writes stories? <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about that? Yeah, that's that. I'm I'm pretty excited for that. I'm happy it got the release date for this year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't really talk about it very much or anything like that. But uh, Last of Us Two, it's got to be coming out pretty soon, is my guess. Um, even though they didn't do obviously Sony not being there, they didn't they didn't announce anything further with it. But uh, they've been it's been in production for a while, so my guess is it can come out earlier. Maybe feels midway. like it's on the horizon. I feel like all three of those games, they're yeah. three, they're major three: Death Stranding, obviously November, yep. Last of Us Two, and Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I feel like all those have to be right on the horizon at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking I'm thinking Ghost of Tsushima and uh last of us two are gonna be next year mm. but probably earlier in the next year but we'll see 
Um, Probably space them out a little bit. Yeah, I would imagine Last of Us coming out before Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I would think so too. Oh, and then the other thing is, uh, of course, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Yes. And finally, oh, wait. Getting... I thought you said Final Fantasy VIII remastered. Sorry. <laughs> well, Final Fantasy VIII remastered. <laughs> yes, for one. Actually, that was it. Was so funny because I um, I have it on the PlayStation Store, and I ah. I've been replaying like the the other one, and then I saw that, and I was like. Well, looks like I'm going to buy Final Fantasy VIII for the third time. That's all right with me. <laughs> I was like, I'm buying this on PS4. I'm buying this on Switch. I'm buying this anywhere I can get it. I know, definitely. I was thinking that. I was just like, yep, I'm definitely buying this, and I'm buying this pretty much anywhere I can get it. And it's just, yeah, it's just, I'm Final Fantasy VIII, and obviously the Final Fantasy VII remake will touch on that after I finish gushing over eight. Eight is one of my favorite Final Fantasies. Mm. Um, and Underrated. I, Underrated. underrated, completely underrated, and I feel like, you know, it always gets overshadowed by seven, uh-huh. but it's right there with seven. And to some extent, when I was younger, I liked eight a lot more than I liked seven. I grew to appreciate seven a lot more getting older. I'm still kind of leaning that way. <laughs> I don't. I appreciate eight easily. My favorite one. I was. I was. I, I, obviously, yeah. the press conference they started with seven, so I yeah. couldn't say, but. I was I was like I don't care about Avengers or anything else yep. going after this. I'm done. Eight's all I needed. Eight's yep. all I needed. Eight was eight. It looks crisp. Yeah, it the does. faces look crisp. They look. Character models look fantastic. I mean, we haven't seen the summons yet. Really, are the I thought they showed a couple of summoning, or they saw not the summons themselves, but like that that super saiyan yeah. aura that they give that, off right before they summon yeah so i mean that'll be cool to see what they do with that and other stuff like that i don't know did, were they updating the cutscenes too at all i think no okay. i don't think when they remaster they do yeah i was gonna say i kind of remember in 10 and 10 2 they didn't do the cutscenes. yeah and it always felt like a little weird because like the character models were much sharper then <laughs> at that point it's yeah. like uh what's going on here but uh but yeah so i, I thought that I was like okay they probably won't update the cutscenes, but that's okay but I mean, just the character models are, mm. they look fantastic now, and that's going to be awesome. Definitely going to get that when that comes out. But then, moving on from Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy VII Remake, finally getting a release date for it. Mm-hmm. Um, part one. Part one. Hearing this part one thing <laughs> makes part me one. a little like, why is it only part one? And I keep saying it's only Midgar. That's like 5% of the original game. What are you doing in Midgar they for? Say, they say it's the length of a normal Final Fantasy. So that places it yeah. around 40 to 60 hour story. Right. That is evolved from like a 5 hour story. <laughs> I know. So I kind of think too. I'm like, what are they doing here? Okay. Which has me a little concerned. Yep. Because recently the writers at Square love them. I love Final Fantasy. I love a lot of what Square does. But I also acknowledge that they overindulge way too much on things, yep. and they there's no subtlety to what they do anymore. Yep. I'm pretty sure when they make a script, they throw everything, including the kitchen sink in, and they're just like, <laughs> final script, let's go. And there's no revisions. Nobody yeah. nobody sits there and says, like, this comes off a little odd, or this comes off a little forced, or in your face. Like, I don't feel like they have that process. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I, I can't say it's it's a bad thing, but it's definitely an odd thing. Yeah, it's it's always just so right there in your face. Yeah, right? it's just on the nose. Everything they say, it's just like I feel like they could deliver this line with a little more subtlety. It doesn't yeah. like sometimes it's borderline people just saying how they feel. Like yeah. I'm mad. Like yep. don't say you're mad. Just, just show, show you're us. mad. Just show us. <laughs> 
that's exactly the case. Um, other than that, what else from E3? Actually, that Marvel game, it looks interesting. Avengers? Uh, yeah, the Avengers one. It looks interesting enough. Um, the Jedi Fallen Order one looks kind of cool. Uh, I'm really on the fence about that one. Yeah, it doesn't look like it does anything new. That's the thing. thing. That's the thing. Is it looks kind of cool? And when I say kind of cool, it's like I feel like when it goes on sale on Steam for like ten, twenty bucks, I'll buy it then. Mm. But it's not going to be something I'll buy right away. Um, I could be wrong. It would be yeah. awesome if it was something unique. I'll wait for reviews though. That's true. That's that's what I'll wait. But my initial impressions are that same with the Avengers one. Yeah. My initial impressions like this looks like a lot of fun, but not necessarily something I have to rush out and get. Mm-hmm. Versus the other ones we've discussed. So I'm like, yes. I am buying Death Stranding day one. I might have to order this, free, this uh, collector's edition so I could have my own baby in a jar as well. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the baby in the jar. Um, but it's like, it's like, yeah, that, Final Fantasy VII, buying day one, uh, buying Final Fantasy VIII as well uh, once that's out. And so it's just like, yep, those kind of things. I'm just like, all right, I'm so excited for those things. Um, but there, there are some other prospects on the horizon that I think are going to be interesting. Um Possibly good good playthrough game or possibly good games as well, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very much along those lines as yeah. we are both Sony fanboys. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Death Stranding, Final Fantasy VII remake, Cyberpunk, all look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, in September, the Catherine remakes coming out. I'm excited oh, yeah. for that. Uh, I'm excited for that because I never got to play it through the oh, first one. That's awesome. Right. I'd be very interested to do another one of these about that because yeah. that is probably one of my favorite games of the PS3 era. Yeah. Uh, because it was one of the most unique, different, well-thought-out games, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be very interested to hear your opinions on that. Yeah, that'll be cool, actually. We should probably try and plan for that mm-hmm. well I'll, I'll do a first playthrough and you can do a replay through and but they can... had the whole new character so yeah. that they'll i'll definitely have new things to say i also know that i think it was ryan was a big fan of that so we'll see oh, yeah. if we can get him roped into this as well that'd uh, be cool but there's that um there's also nintendo announced the no more heroes 3 oh yeah i really enjoy those games yeah, wasn't like a big fan things. of this like 2.5 that they put out or whatever oh, they, i never even touched it's that. just like a bunch of weird not mini games i don't know it's yeah. it's it's weird and it's not exactly what i wanted but mm-hmm. three seems like it's just going to be more of mm-hmm. the normal so yeah. i want that i want that um also uh breath of the wild sequel um, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I, the only reason I'm excited about it is because it's like, wait, you're actually going to do this Nintendo, a first direct sequel beyond the Beyond the Jar's Mask. <laughs> That's I mean, not even true either. Oh, there were other direct sequels. Which ones were direct sequels or directly related, like linked? Well, I mean, like the Game Boy ones are usually directly the Game Boy linked. ones are all all directly linked. I know that, but they this made one feels... they made the sequel, the Spirit Rails, the sequel to Wind Waker. That's right. They've made sequels before. They That's do right. It. Okay, I'll, I'll retract my statement. <laughs> they do it. They do it. Just not in the main ones. It feels or not the main ones. I guess the console ones. Um, but yeah, so this will be. I think that's an interesting aspect. I did enjoy Breath of the Wild a lot. Um, and if they can keep that gameplay going and, and just the, the funness of it, I'm, I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but will that make me buy a Switch? We will see. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that Switch. I'll play it someday. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, 
Thanks to everyone for listening to this, whoever listens to this. You can find us, as always, on Spotify, whatever they're calling the Apple thing now. I think it's uh, this podcast Apple edition. <laughs> uh, YouTube, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are on it. We are there. I don't know their names because I'm an old man. <laughs> but they, they, they're there. Um if you have any comments, anything you'd like to see, you always feel free to email us or leave comments on any of our videos, wherever you listen to them. And we hoped you enjoyed listening to us gush about <laughs> Devil May Cry 5. Yep. Until then, just keep on gaming. Yeah. This has been After the Credits. A Young Chunks Podcast. <laughs>